Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. We're here this morning with Brian Van Meveren of Fort Collins, Colorado. How are you, Brian? I'm good, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, I tell you, I've been waiting for a while to talk to you because uh, there's there's not few, there's there's few folks that I really you know think are huge role models in this world, and one guy is this fella here. So we we are lucky to have this cat on the line for half hour, maybe forty five minutes. But let me just give you you guys a little bio here that. Um, will make make for some interesting listening the next 30 to 45 minutes. <clears throat> First of all, Brian is a trial attorney and owner of Van Meveren Law Group. When he's not busy with his professional life, his marriage of 30 years, his six children, coaching and active volunteer work, he loves training and competing in triathlons and endurance events. His resume includes eight, count of eight Kona qualifications, five 70.3 worlds, 24 Ironman races, numerous podium finishes in the competitive Boulder and Fort Collins triathlon communities, and over 40, that's four zero marathons and ultra distance races to date. Uh, wow. So, Brian, um, you're in your 50s, right? I am in my 50s. I'm, I'm right in the middle. Double nickels. Double nickels. That's... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm I'm one year older than you are, and um, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm feeling pretty bad about myself. How you got any therapy for me? <laughs> well, that that is my therapy. I I, I don't know how I would uh, survive without being able to get out there and compete. It really is therapeutic. You know, um, one of the things I really liked about I I used to be a competitive runner a long, long, long time ago, and I was reading about your training. It says that you focus on high-quality, low-volume training with an emphasis on nutrition, mental toughness, yoga, and Pilates. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> so let's break that down a little bit here. So sure. the one that hit me was the uh, mental toughness aspect. So you're doing these, I mean, an Ironman, just, just for the listeners, what does an Ironman entail? What, what's the distances there? Sure, sure. The Ironman distance is the uh, full distance triathlon, and it's comprised of a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a 26.2 mile run or a marathon in effect. So it's 140.6 miles total. So the the, um, the swim's in a nice little pool, though, isn't it? I mean, it's like an easy pool <laughs> swim. <laughs> oh, I wish. No, uh, the, the swim is open water and, uh, you know, depending on the, the day and the conditions, you can be in, you know, 50 degree water or 80 degree water, um, uh, sometimes with the wetsuit, sometimes not. So, um, that in combination with, uh, 2000 other folks, uh, clamoring around you, it can uh, turn into kind of an underwater rugby match at times. 
Wow. So um, tell us about your most recent uh, triathlon. Sure. Uh, I, my most recent uh, triathlon was in Arizona, uh, late November of last year. I had uh, competed in Kona in October and had a, had a rather rough day and uh, thought that was kind of the end of my season and um, had an opportunity to get into the Arizona race uh, on a charity slot, um, doing some volunteer work for Smile Train, uh, an organization that helps uh, children get surgeries for cleft palate. And so um, I, I kind of jumped in Arizona on a whim. I already had a good base of training, but um, not always a good idea to do back-to-back um, -back Ironman races. But uh, I just uh, have this drive to continue to try to improve and uh, really wanted to kind of redeem myself after a, a rough day in Kona. So uh, I jumped into Arizona in, in uh, late November and um, ended up having a great day and qualifying again to go back to Kona this October. So really well, pumped great. about that. Yeah, that's great. So um, Brian won't tell you, so I will. He is the number one ranked Ironman all world in 2019. Is that true? Uh, that is correct. <laughs> there aren't many of us old guys left. So I think I'm, maybe I'm the last man standing. I don't know. But if you hang in there long enough, you know, some good things will happen. So is, is this for your age group then? Yes, it's, uh, it's, for the, uh, it's for my age group. It's a world ranking that uh, Ironman does every year. You get points based upon your performances in Ironman races all over the, all over the world. And then uh, at the end of the year, you get a final final ranking based on your performances, uh, for that season. So, uh, yeah, I had, had a good year. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, so, um, <clears throat> let's back up a little bit. So, um, so Brian, you're, uh, tell us, you know, where you're born, your upbringing, that type of thing. Oh boy. Uh, well, I was born in, uh, Vermilion, South Dakota. Uh, my father was, uh, in the midst of law school at the time. And, uh, um, uh, moved on, uh, to, uh, Colorado where my, uh, my, my mother was born and raised in, in Loveland, Colorado. And, uh, so we, we settled in, uh, Northern Colorado. Um, and my dad, uh, was the, uh, district attorney up in Larimer County here for 32 years. And so this was our home. My folks split when I was young. And so we bounced around a bit, but this was always home base. My dad was always here, uh, but moved around, uh, quite a bit, got to see a lot of the country with my mother, uh, but Fort Collins has always been uh, home base. And uh, yeah, finished high school in Colorado and uh, went on to uh, get my undergraduate degree just north of here at the University of Wyoming. And then uh, went to uh, the University of South Dakota for law school. Let me back up here a little bit. So yeah. you must have been just a stud athlete in high school, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I love sports. Uh, I was one of those dumb jocks. I uh, I didn't really uh, appreciate the importance of academics until really until law school. So yeah, I was always on the field, um, whether it be football, baseball, track, uh, basketball, basketball was my, my true passion when I was young and, uh, and uh, track and field. I really enjoyed those areas. So yeah, I did. I, I did. Okay. It kept me out of trouble. That's for sure. Now, when, did, did you end up competing when you were at university of Wyoming? Uh, I didn't. I actually went uh, my freshman year to uh, the University of Northern Colorado to uh, um, play basketball and um, 
things just didn't pan out. Um, I had uh, a patellar tendon rupture uh, my freshman year in my knee, and uh, there were some <laughs> coaching changes, and I ended up transferring to Wyoming to actually I was to try to play there. But my knee just never uh, really rehabbed the way it should have to a point where I could put the force on it that you need to when you're playing basketball. So uh, that kind of uh, started the evolution to lower impact events like uh, running and cycling and swimming. Well, that's great. Yeah. So, so then yeah. you, you, let's, uh, let's figure this out. So, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of kids, they, you know, um, at least I see is, is, has been a coach for a long time is if they don't make it um, in high school or they don't make it, you know, the teams and college or whatever, they think that their athletic career is over. And some, some there must have, you must not got that memo. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I, I always found uh, sports to be a great outlet and uh, especially with the pressures of uh, law school and, um, you know, starting a, a career and then also having children in the mix. Um, I think you need an outlet. You need to have something that you can go to that helps you uh, keep things in focus and keep things uh, prioritized appropriately. And uh, so I have to say that um, the, you know, the sports aspect of my life has always been there and um, it's helped um, drive me to success in other areas of my life. So um, you, you end up, out there in Colorado, you get out of law school. Um, what did you decide to do then? Well, my undergraduate degree was in uh, sports marketing. And, uh, you know, I always had, you know, big dreams of uh, representing professional athletes. Uh, and the more I learned about that and uh, the challenges uh, in that profession, uh, the lack of ethics and, and a, a number of other things kind of prompted me to look at other options. And so uh, I actually um, pulled up stakes. I had two young kids at the time and we, we decided to move to uh, Phoenix, Arizona and just, just start fresh and uh, do something new and different. So I, I had the uh, blessing of getting some uh, job offers in, in Phoenix in the uh, insurance defense litigation world. And so that's where I started my, my career. So you, you, you ended up being a, um... You know, when I first started practicing law, um, I got out in uh, 1988 and um, I started working for um, a law firm and, and it happened to be that we represented big corporations and insurance companies. Then I did that for four more years when I came to Chicago. And so I, I spent about eight years uh, defending folks, uh, big companies, uh, doctors, uh, drug manufacturers, auto manufacturers, product manufacturers, that type of thing. And that was pretty good training for me. How, did, did you find the same type of approach? 100%. Yeah, I think our uh, our careers have really uh, mirrored each other, Joe, because uh, my first eight years were in insurance defense litigation, uh, defending hospitals and doctors, uh, big construction companies, insurance companies, and uh, really getting uh, to dig in and um, learn the, the ins and outs of the insurance world and uh, how to properly uh, defend those cases. And uh, yeah, it certainly gave me and I'm sure you a, a very uh, inside track in terms of now representing our clients and, and the victims, because uh, 
we know how the insurance co- companies operate and uh, we know how to deal with them effectively. You know, one of the things that, that I really learned a lot um, defending uh, cases, and, and, and by the way, I, I have a ton of respect for the law firms I worked for. Um, one of them was a firm called Dunn, Kearney, Allen, Higgins and Tongue in Portland, Oregon. And, and uh, those, those lawyers are great. And then I worked for uh, Siegel, McCambridge, Singer and Mahoney in Chicago. And, you know, I still got great relationships with those, those folks and they were really great. One of the things that I, that I really um, learned was what is and what is not a good case. Um, right. Yeah. And, and so I, I, you know, the one thing I, that I've continued to, to try and do at our firm is to make sure that we only accept cases that are have hundred percent merit that we could, that we have a chance to really help out a client on, because I, I don't think it does anybody any favors to take a case that is not a good case that is going to be disappointing to the client and to give them false hope that it's, that's not going to be a great case. Do you have the same way of looking at things, Brian? Absolutely, Joe. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, you don't want to mislead any, anyone and uh, you need to be very candid with them in terms of the uh, likelihood that they were going to, they're going to succeed in their case. And so we we're very upfront with people. Sometimes people don't want to hear that because, uh, they get a lot of misinformation and uh, everyone under the sun is telling them they need to get a lawyer and go, go sue somebody. And, you know, oftentimes that's not the best approach. Um, we, we got so many calls uh, years ago um, on, on, you know, minor cases that, you know, you just hope people could work out amongst themselves. And, um, and I, I wrote a book uh, to try to help guide people because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there and uh, you don't want to get uh, involved in a case that's going to put your client in a worse position than they already are. And so uh, if you can give them some guidance and mentorship, and we do that a lot. We'll, we'll continue to talk to folks that uh, um, haven't hired us because uh, we, we want them to work things out and we don't want to put them in a position where they're, um, you know, upside down or in a hole when, um, when they shouldn't have gotten involved in a case or they didn't need a lawyer in the first place. You know, I, I, um, I did a little bit of uh, background you know, preparing for this interview. And um, one thing that one resource is really great for all you folks out there in Colorado is uh, Brian's website, which is Van Meveren. That's V-A-N-M-E-V-E-R-E-N law.com. That's V-A-N-M-E-V-E-R-E-N law.com. It's got some great resources. You can pick up his book um, that he talked about and then he's got some great, uh, he's even got an app. Is that fresh off the, the shelf there, the app, or you've had that for a while? Uh, we, we had one for a while. Joe, we just recently refreshed it, though. It's got a lot more uh, uh, information on it uh, to help folks. And it's also got um, a direct chat line and a, a phone line where folks can contact us directly from the app. But uh, we are, uh, we just kind of revived that and, um, updated it. And so we're in the process of um, trying to get that out to, to all of our existing clients and just another way to keep them uh, in the loop. You know, our focus is always on service to our clients. That's, uh, that's our mission. It's not about getting all the glory or taking a bunch of cases to trial. It's really about just serving the clients. 
fairly and properly. And the way to do that is really, you know, constant communication, in my opinion, and, and developing those relationships. So it's just another relationship tool so folks can feel that they do have a true partnership with our firm and they can talk to us at any time. Yeah, you know, what I, I found successful in, in our firm is that we, we also focus on relationships because, you know, one of the things that you'll find with some uh, businesses or law firms is, is basically that you're a transaction to them rather than mm -hmm. just being a, a, you know, a lifelong relationship. And, you know, the thing is, you know, with our firm, you know, when people call us, you know, they don't necessarily have, you know, issues with respect to catastrophic injuries. Thank God they, they they've got other issues mm -hmm. too. And, you know, we can, you know, peg them into our network of people that, that handle other stuff like wills and trusts and estates and, and, uh, you know, all that type of stuff. And, and so, um, yeah, I like that approach. I really do. I think, um, you know, one of the things that, that I was, that I, you know, I kind of looked at a lot of different things other than your website. And I saw mm -hmm. that um, your name pops up all over the place in Colorado, um, <laughs> that your legal counsel for multiple race directors, events, health clubs, the Laramil, the Larimer, County Boys and Girls Club, and that you have a real big passion for helping out bicyclists. That's right. That's right. That's definitely the passion uh, here is uh, we see a lot of really tragic uh, cyclist collisions, crashes, uh, accidents, what have you. And uh, even though Colorado is a very biker friendly community, uh, folks just aren't paying attention uh, in their vehicles. They're, they're distracted uh, by all kinds of things. And so we are trying to create even a greater awareness in, in Northern Colorado that, uh, you know, these cyclists are your, your friends, your parents, your children, and we need to have a better awareness uh, of them on the roadways. So um, that's one thing that I certainly will go out of my way to do is help uh, an injured cyclist, um, whether they have a case or not, anything we can do to give them resources to get on the road of recovery and, um, uh, get them a new bike or whatever. We're, we're big advocates for the, for the cycling community here. We work closely with the CSU uh, triathlon club, which is a, uh, a great organization up here. There are a number of triathlon organizations that we work with and uh, cycling groups we like to go speak to. And so, um, yeah, we just try to continue to promote that awareness here and uh, get the word out that uh, we, we've got to be paying attention to the roadways. We can't be distracted. Tell, tell us a little bit, uh, switching gears a little bit, tell us a little bit about your family. Sure. You got a couple hours? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I know, uh, I know me... it's a long story, but, you know, let's, yeah. let's start at the beginning there. I, I think there's, there's yeah, somebody that's sure. kind of the, the, the person that runs your house. Yeah, the boss of the house, uh, clearly uh, my wife, Eileen, she's, <clears throat> uh, she's my guardian angel. And uh, we, we met in undergrad and... Uh, she she has been amazing um been there for me through thick and thin and uh, we started our uh our marriage in the late 80s i can't it's hard to believe that but uh yeah so over 30 i think we're going on 31 years maybe uh, but um had a, had uh, our first two children uh, right in the midst of law school my my first kind of funny story my first daughter was born uh, the night before my first year uh, civil procedure final exam, uh, <laughs> about four in the morning, uh, and uh, kind of came as a, a pleasant uh, 
surprised about two weeks early. So I thought hey, I was going to get through my law school finals and then we'd have this baby and everything would be fine. But anyway, she came right, Mackenzie, my oldest, came right in the midst of our uh, first year of finals, which, as you know, Joe, is a rather stressful uh, time in your yes. life. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, we survived that. Uh, had another uh, daughter in, uh, in Vermilion, South Dakota, uh, while we, I was finishing up law school. And, uh, and then um, I, I started my career in Phoenix and uh, I had a few more children, uh, another uh, daughter and a son. I have five daughters and one son. And so uh, after four kids and uh, living in the big city in Phoenix, um, although I had a great career in um, insurance defense and with a really great firm, Jennings Strauss, um, it was just time to really focus on the family. And uh, so that's when we, you know, I, I just really shifted to, uh, from a career emphasis to really family focus. And that's what brought us back to Northern Colorado. And then we've had two more children. Um, so we've been back in Colorado for almost 20 years now. So our kids range from uh, age 27 down to uh, my youngest is 14. Uh, so yeah, it keeps us, it certainly keeps us young and motivated and uh, it, you know, it drives me every day to do the very best I can. So how, how far is the office from your house? Well, I have two offices. I've got an, a, a south office, which is just uh, minutes from our from our home. Um, you'll be jealous. I don't even have to go through a stoplight, Joe, to get to my south office. So it takes me about four minutes. And then um, I work primarily in our downtown uh, Fort Collins office, which is where I am kind of self-quarantined right now. Um, so we've got uh, two offices. That office is probably uh, maybe a 15-minute uh, drive on a bad day, 10 to 15-minute drive. So pretty, pretty, uh, pretty blessed and fortunate to be able to have a short commute where I can, I can run or I can bike or I can drive depending on the day into my offices. How, how far are you from the slopes? Uh, we are, uh, you know, from the good skiing, probably about 90 minutes, uh, to two hours. Uh, we have a couple of favorites. I'm, I'm a passionate skier, uh, I worked as a uh, uh, ski patrolman uh, right out of college. My wife was a few years behind me in school, so I had a couple of years to kind of uh, have a little fun before she graduated and uh, ended up worked at a big resort in uh, Colorado uh, as a lift operator and then uh, tried out and became a, a patrolman, took all the EMT testing and um, really enjoyed the medicine aspect of that. But anyway, we're, uh, yeah, a few, few hours away. We get up there a lot. We, uh, it's a great family event. Um, get get the family together and away from all of their distractions and really focus on uh, just being together. You know, I, I, uh, we have similar, similar lifestyles. My, my, uh, my oldest is 25 and uh, is a uh, yeah. Catholic school teacher here, here locally. And then uh, my youngest is 11. Right. And uh, so I'm still, I'm a couple of years behind you on that, but uh, <laughs> I get the experience. We have everything from, uh, being, you know, in close quarters now with this whole COVID thing, we're reconnecting right. as to what, you know, what uh, life was like a long time ago when we were all together. And uh, very interesting. Very interesting. It is. Yeah, it is very interesting. Uh, you know, most of our kids are adults now. So uh, the house feels a little more crowded right now than it normally does. Plus, we have to throw two. Uh, we've got two grandkids in the mix, too. And so my oldest is actually... Uh, with us and uh, is just in process of transitioning uh, 
from the DC area back to California, uh, where her husband has taken a, a new position. So we got a, we've got a house full. It's, it's a lot of fun, but I've got my whole crew all but one home right now. And to congratulations. So, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. So, um, <clears throat> uh, shift gears here a little bit. Um, I like to, uh, ask people some, some defining moments in their life. You know, one of the things that, that, that is very interesting to me is um, that you, you know, you, you got married somewhat earlier in your life and then you made the transition from insurance defense work to, you know, being a plaintiff's lawyer and representing uh, injured people. Um, mm-hmm. And then you, then in your thirties, you decided to become uh, this triathlete. So I'm, 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 I'm looking at these things and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what makes this guy tick. So um, why, don't you, why don't you tell us about some personal moments that, that were defining moments for you? Oh, boy. Well, um, one of those, you know, became um, it, it became very apparent to me that uh, I just wasn't cut out to be an insurance defense litigator um, about seven years into that practice. Uh, while it was very uh, rewarding and, and challenging and I worked with great people, um, I found myself uh, really starting to regret um, taking on these victims and challenging them and questioning them on their decision-making process uh, medically and, and trying to delve into their history to shore up you know, misinformation or negative information. I just ethically did not feel good about that. So I remember... Uh, sitting across the table from a, a quadriplegic in a, in a very serious uh, medical malpractice case and, and taking her deposition. And, um, you know, deep down in my gut, I just knew, uh, you know, just, it just didn't feel right. It just wasn't, wasn't fair to her. She was uh, victimized by a physician and now she was being victimized by an attorney and it just wasn't, wasn't right. So that was certainly a, a defining moment when I knew I needed to transition my practice and really do, a 180 and um, and uh, turn around and start focusing on serving uh, the victims. So that was a big, big moment. That was late in my, um, you know, my insurance defense career in Phoenix and uh, really helped uh, motivate me to start laying the, the foundation when I got back to Colorado to, to set up my own practice and represent victims. Um, so that's kind of a professional, uh, a big, big moment for me. And then, you know, personally, I've always, like I said, love to compete. I love, uh, the challenge of endurance events and, and just the, um, the um, personal challenge, not so much the competition with others, but just challenging yourself to do the very best you can. And uh, again, laying the foundation and the groundwork to do that has uh, always been something that I've, I've enjoyed. And um, I was really deep into ultra running actually at the time in my early thirties and um, running some crazy uh, races through the, uh, the mountains of Colorado and Utah and Wyoming and uh, just loved it, but it was very hard on the body. And I sustained pretty serious uh, Achilles injury and was forced into the swimming pool uh, because I couldn't run and then forced and then on the bike and uh, two things that I really wasn't familiar with at all other than some mountain biking. And uh, so um, I, I learned I was kind of good at it. And uh, that, that kind of started the, the triathlon career in my late thirties and, I've always felt like I had a leg up on some of the uh, 
athletes my age who were already had been competing for 10, 15, 20 years and were kind of, um, you know, peaking or um, maxing out in their careers. And I felt really fresh and young. I still feel that way. I feel like I'm, you know, 55, but I feel like I'm going on 35. And so um, that, that was a really good moment because it helped me get healthy and um, really balanced out my training. And then, uh, you know, it's kind of taken off from there. I've just uh, continued to try to improve just like I do on my law practice every day. It's like, what can I do to get a little bit better? Even at 55, I think there's still physically areas that you can uh, improve upon and with the right training and self-discipline and, you know, just putting good habits in place. I think uh, you can really uh, change the direction of your, your life. Uh, if you, if you're disciplined enough to, to keep those habits in place. And uh, even on the days like this morning, you know, it's, uh, it's 28 degrees and blustery cold and out, outside, but uh, I'm running this morning. That's, that's what I do. And so I'm out there uh, probably not as cold as Chicago. We got a little sunshine here, but uh, you know, some of those morning runs are, are uh, a little rough, but still, I just still love it. And I still think there, there are ways to improve. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the, the evolution of, uh, my, my career and, uh, my world in, in trial. Tell me, um, just, just in general, like how many, uh, I know in a week, how, how many miles will you, will you run? How many miles will you bike and how long will you swim in a week? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of my base, uh, weekly training is really, um, not that bad. It's probably eight to 10 hours of training. And that's, that's comprised of, you know, five to 10,000 meters in the pool, which I'm not doing right now with the pools closed. Um, and then, um, two to three hours of strength training, um, two to three hours of yoga and Pilates. And then, uh, I'm not in a heavy uh, I guess race training mode right now, because, you know, unfortunately our races are in limbo right now. So I always have Kona in the back of my mind and I know that's six months away, but um, I, you know, you start gearing up for that early. So my base uh, you know, my running right now is probably in the 30 to 40 miles per week range, pretty light um, for a, for a Ironman. And then uh, you know, cycling I'm doing, you know, four to six hours on the bike, primarily on my trainer, uh, in my, my home gym. So not a, not a lot of volume right now. And I, I'd never really been a volume guy. There's some coaches that were real proponents of you know, like Mark Allen's big proponents of heavy, high volume. But I think as we age, you've got to kind of pick and choose and you've got to be careful because you don't want to, you know, the biggest challenge of Ironman as you, as you age is really just getting to the starting line healthy. And, uh, I see so many athletes, they look great in training and they're just banking all of this training volume and mileage and um, they're crushing it. And then race comes around and they're, they're flat, uh, they're overtrained, they're injured, they're, you know, they've got some nagging injury and uh, they don't perform as well. So I kind of go into it with a, a real minimalist approach. And I, I know what I need now to get, get to the start line healthy and to, to perform relatively well so pretty light volume right now when I get closer to a race you know this this fall I will certainly ramp it up and and the mileage and the time will will jump up but not a lot I mean maybe maybe 15 hours a week to train and you, you hear and you can read out there that uh, most of these Ironman athletes supposedly are training you know 20 to 30 hours a week which is and it becomes a job and I don't want it to be that I really want to that's stay great balanced. so um 
one of the things that, that, uh, you know, it's, it sounds to me like the number one thing that you're trying to do is avoid injury, huh? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's been the challenge. I've been a rather, uh, injury prone, uh, kid and, uh, adult, uh, and it's, uh, it's self-inflicted. So I can't, I don't, I don't ever complain about it. I never, I never, uh, go home and complain to my wife. That's for sure. Or anybody else, I just kind of take it on the chin and, uh, and, and go with it and figure out ways to solve it. So yeah, I've, uh, I've spent a few bucks on, uh, <laughs> you name it, all kinds of physical therapy and, uh, and dry needling and, uh, uh lots of treatment, a few surgeries, unfortunately, but I've had about a half dozen knee surgeries and, uh, couple other little ailments but uh yeah everything's uh seems to always come together at the right time you know i've never um not finished an iron man which is probably i'm more proud more proud of that than um than the world ranking um there are uh it's a it's a tough tough long day a lot of dark moments and uh, that's probably my proudest uh, thing is that um i've been able to put my body into a condition and a position to perform on that day and uh Never, never, uh, not finished. Do you, so do you coach yourself, Brian? I do. I, um, I have a, a, a number of resources in, uh, in Northern Colorado and, um, have worked, um, off and on with some coaches in Boulder, um, uh, former professionals that, uh, are very generous and, you know, sharing information and training ideas. But, um, I would say, yeah, I'm primarily, I've always been, uh, self-coached with a little bit of guidance from uh that's great hey so um i I was looking at a kind of a soft spot in my my viewpoint for you uh that you know one of the charities that you that you have a soft spot for too is uh is saint joseph's uh uh, church and school Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that yeah sure uh when we moved back to uh Colorado, um, we, uh, enrolled our children in, uh, St. Joseph's Catholic school and, uh, uh, our, our four, uh, youngest have gone all the way through, uh, K- unfortunately it's only K through eight now. Um, uh, and, uh, they're in the process of, uh, starting a high school actually this fall finally, but, um, a little late for us, but, um, great community, um, great resources, great people. Um, and we've been fully supportive of the church and the school um, since day one. I've I've tried to volunteer my time. My wife is there um, almost on a daily basis with uh, with the eighth grade. Our last uh, child is uh, kind of graduating this year from from St. Joe's, but um, I've been active there as a coach and uh, and certainly uh, trying to support uh, everything that they're doing. Uh, and it's been a great a great community to be a, a part of and great to know that our, our kids are getting good information. And, uh, you know, it's, it's challenging <laughs> with, with everything out there and, uh, in the public school system, uh, here to, uh, to just to make sure your, your, your children are being cared for and, uh, educated. Um, in, one of the things I was manner. looking at, which would kind of hit me was that there was, it must've been, it must have been some sort of raffle or something. And did you make an electric bike? <laughs> oh, I, you know, that was a, a little bit of a misnomer. I, uh, I purchased a, a really nice uh, high-end uh, bike from a company in California. Uh, 
it came to me in a box, which I didn't know they were going to do that. So I had to build it. I, I didn't, I didn't make it. I'm not, I don't have those skills. Uh, I don't have the uh, electrical skills to, to wire a bike, but um, I did have to build it. I can build bikes, but um, I didn't, it, it wasn't self-made. It's uh, developed by a company uh, you know, on the West coast uh, that actually is more well-known for uh, paddle boards, actually tower paddle, paddle boards is their big uh seller but uh, they do make a really cool electric bike and um, e-bikes uh, i don't know how big they are in chicago but um, they are exploding out here and the e-scooters are, are huge of course so um yeah i thought that would be a good auction item and uh, yeah raised raised a bunch of money for the for the school that night and uh, yeah that was one of the one of the so, top um, auction items uh, uh, we're getting near the end here i uh, unfortunately i um i could talk to you for a long long time because it's fascinating to me how a guy can do all this stuff that you do, run a law firm, be the number one triathlete in the world, and be a father of six and do all these different things. And I, it's just mind-blowing here. But I want to talk to you about when you sat down with your wife and talked to her about starting your own law firm. Because – typically the way it works, you know, I remember having this discussion like it was yesterday with my wife, Michelle, and, and I sat down with her and I said, listen, you know, we're going to, uh, I, this is what I want to do, but I can't do this without, you know, without you. Cause it's a lot of risk. There's a lot of, you know, you don't really take that many clients with you when you leave an insurance defense firm, you're basically starting from square one. Can you tell me about right. that experience, you know, and, and, and how that, happened and then how it grew to where it is today yeah I, when i look back I, I can't believe uh my wife let me do that <laughs> it's uh it was quite a risk we were uh, in the uh it was in the fall of uh 2001 and so yes. there was a lot going on as you know right then <laughs> and uh um, you know, the economy was pretty shaky and we were due with our, uh, fifth child, um, about, uh, within a few weeks of me opening the firm, we had just purchased a new home. So a lot of balls in the air, but I knew, uh, I had such a great foundation at home that, um, my wife was going to give me the, the time and, um, ability to, really focus on developing a, a good practice. And I, I did start from ground one. I had uh, a handful of clients. Actually, Joe, I had to, I was doing uh, default. I knew I wanted to be an injury lawyer and, and help victims, but um, I was taking anything just to keep the lights on the first uh, year. So um, from estate planning to divorce work, to adoptions, to a couple of criminal defense cases, um, I just jumped in and um, knew I had to put food on the table and, uh, you know, having four almost five little ones at home that that's a huge motivator. So, um, I quickly, uh, was able to, um, shift the focus, uh, after a year into really a personal injury focus. I developed enough relationships. I was taking every, every old attorney out, uh, every attorney <laughs> in town out to lunch and just saying, Hey, let me, let me take your cases. I know you don't like to litigate. I'll go try your cases, whatever you need me to do. If you think they're dogs, you know, let me look at them and uh, see if I can help these folks. And so, I was really uh, just go, hitting it from all aspects. And I had a guy, um, very, very good lawyer in Denver who uh, just, <laughs> this was kind of a, a, a real boost initially because I didn't have a lot of exposure here and uh, people didn't know me. 
but um, he had uh, decided he didn't want the back cover of the phone book. That's how old I am. But um, I snatched up that back cover on the phone book locally. And, uh, you know, that that certainly helped get the phones ringing initially. And um, and then just doing, you know, good work um, with clients and treating every client like family and uh, word so spread. So, yeah. So, we're, so, so tell that me, really, it's almost 20 years. You're, you're going to have your 20 year, re, you know, uh, anniversary here on this law firm in 2021. Uh, t- tell me what type of enterprise you have now. Yeah, yeah I've, I've tried to, you know, like you, Joe, um, we only want to take meritorious places, cases. So we are very selective. So I, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to outgun uh, anybody in Denver and just capture a bunch of cases and make a bunch of money. That's not our focus, but uh, we have grown significantly from from me and as an assistant to um, I have three very skilled, um, experienced attorneys that work for me now, and um, we have five legal assistants. Um, we manage a pretty small caseload because we really want to get, like I said, give our clients 100 uh, percent top notch service um, from start to finish. So the caseload um, is, you know, we 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 carry in anywhere in the range of 100 to 150 cases. But um, again, we remain, you know, very selective. We don't want to mislead people and get them involved in something that we can't help them with. So um, I've got, like I said, great staff and, and we're, um, we're just focused on, on that client service aspect and it's paid off and uh, we're able to be very proactive. So we're not, uh, we're not getting the big uh, verdicts like, uh, like you guys get Joe, but uh, we, we, uh, we put cases in a position where the insurance company uh, feels like this is a really good case. These guys are serious. They're going to take this to trial if we don't make them a good offer and we're getting good offers. So I really see that as a plus for the clients because, you know, Joe, as you talk to any, any client, I mean, going through a trial is win or lose. It's just, it's a very difficult experience for people and it's very traumatic and they've already been through trauma. So we want to try to avoid, you know, as much, ongoing ongoing trauma as we can and that's why we're, we're very proactive and have been successful in uh, positioning cases in a, in a manner well, to get listen, great I, offers. I guarantee you that no insurance company is going to want to be facing down a number one ranked Iron Man all world and, and let me tell you so, so this, <laughs> this, this, this is this is the fun right. part so we'll close this up but you know um, buddy I, I again I did a little more research here here's some some great pre-race music for uh brian he likes and i've never heard of some of these things so this guy is like he's like a 20 year old he's grizz odessa macklemore uh, 21 pilots eminem radiohead yes. pearl jam and allison chains so you must get pretty psyched up before these races oh man i do that's you know that's the great thing about having uh, teenagers and uh, you know kids in college you keep up to date <laughs> on all the best music so yeah i go to and i go to the concerts with them too we hit hit up red rocks and uh, uh you know i'm the oldest guy in the crowd but i, I don't care well, that's it's, great it's now listen i um, again i i want to yeah I, I don't think i've seen um a better lawyer's uh website than van meveren law group but that's van meveren law.com and then his social media stuff is fantastic I was looking at um, a video that his daughter put together of his last Kona, and it was just—I don't know, man. To me, to me, this stuff is good stuff. I, you know, wow. when there's there's Renaissance men in the world like Brian Van Meveren, I just feel good. I mean, he's he's good at sport. <laughs>
respect community. He's a great lawyer. He's working with great people. He's married 30 years, six kids. Boy, I tell you, I, you know, I feel inadequate, but um, I, I still want to interview you. No. So you have to come back and, and tell us of your stories. I know that your goal is, your long-term goal is Ironman Hawaii at age 70. Heck, let's go to 80, buddy. That's right. Hey, why not? Yeah, well, I'm, you, you know what? I, I don't Start know. Training. I have to do a marathon first. And then if I finish a marathon, then I'll fi- figure out a way to to make it up there. To close it out, my, my um, alma mater is this uh, little school, little Catholic school up in Portland, Oregon called University. Of- and they happen to be, uh, right. I think, uh, one of the top five running programs in, in the country. Now, when we were there, there were some great coaches there, great, That's right. great athletes, some of my best friends, but we were nowhere near what these cats are doing now. I mean, it, it's cr- absolutely crazy with this little town, but, but the one right. that's the, the thorn in their side is that Northern Arizona group. Those guys, I mean, perennial right. national yep. champions. And I, I you know, any of those guys? Um, I, I don't know any of those guys. I know a lot of great runners from around the world love to train. It's, it's great uh, training community. Uh, there are a lot of runners there. And plus you, you're training at you know, 7,000 feet. So you're getting a the massive unfair. advantage when you Completely go to these unfair. other places. So they should uh, be places. barred. Yeah, I yeah, agree with you on that. It's not fair. But, but, yeah. but to close this out, we, That's we, right. um, yeah. when Brian and I met in um, Atlanta, Georgia, and a guy that Brian traveled across the country to see and that guy was this guy named David Goggins. And so, um, right. listen, I, you know, I, when I saw David Goggins speak um, at in Atlanta about a year and a half ago, I was pretty much blown away. I bought his book. I gave out, uh, you know, a bunch of his books right. because I think the guy is amazing. Follow him on social media if you can. The folks that are listening to this, I know, I know Brian's a big fan um, because of – yeah, yes. yeah, and so it's great inspiration. Anyway, um, Brian, would would you come back and talk sometime? Absolutely, yeah. I'd love to give you a recap after uh, Kona uh, this fall, and uh, love to reconnect with you. Hopefully, see you this great. fall. Great. Well, well, thank you so much, Atlanta. Brian, and and get back to okay. your training. Your and and make sure that you say thank you, thank you, thank you to your wife every morning because you know what? Without her saying. Yes. that uh, she would take care of those six beautiful kids of yours and your grandkids, you would be nothing. Right. <laughs> All right, buddy. You're we'll absolutely talk soon. right, Joe. <laughs> Thanks Bye-bye. so much for having me, Joe. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.